0: Hello, this is Real Estate Insights, the podcast from Savills that leaves no stone unturned to bring you all the most important stories in the property world. And today we're looking at a sector where both the market and its products are growing the UK's garden centres.
1: We're definitely seeing more of the big chains looking at urban high street centres where they can open small stores.
0: There
2: have always been planning challenges for sites in rural locations, but I think because of the growth in employment opportunities, perhaps planning has become slightly easier.
3: There's a huge interest in food offerings and having the buy local connection and perhaps having local suppliers come in there.
0: I'm Guy Ruddle, and I'm joined by three people who've been cultivating their retail property expertise for more years than they care to mention. Ian Simpson is head of Savile's leisure and trade team across the UK and Europe. He's no stranger to real estate insights. Ian, I know you're on a phone line and we've had a little bit of a trouble getting hold of you, but welcome back to the podcast.
2: Thank you very much, Guy.
0: It's great to hear you. Uh, Amanda Bly Smith is also no stranger to Real Estate Insights. She's head of valuations in the leisure and trade team. She works closely with National Garden Centre operators and international funders. Amanda, hello, how are you?
3: Great, thanks Guy. Nice to be back.
0: Well, it's good to have you back. And Isla Monteith is not been here before actually. She's a, a newbie for the podcast. She's director of in-town retail for Savills and specialises in high street, leisure and shopping centre leasing, based in Edinburgh. Isla, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, great to be here.
0: So let's get started uh, with sort of some basics. Ian, perhaps I could start with you and uh, ask you first of all, what's this market like? How, how big is it? Or, you know, how, how much is it worth? Do you know, is it thriving?
2: Surely, uh, Guy. The sector is substantial and growing. Um, Over the last six years, we've seen total energy expenditure growing by seven percent, roughly, from 4.08 billion in 2015 to 4.38 billion in 2020. So that's reflected in the uh, the the number of transactions we're seeing in the market. Um, It's uh, been a very busy and acquisitive um, period, and we are considering a a number of groups focusing on the sector and new uh, investors coming into it through new real estate structures such as uh, ground rents and sale and leasebacks as
0: well. And Amanda, you, COVID, I mean, one imagines that it's that it's been very good for, for garden centres, has it? It's, has it been, you know, has consumer behaviour moved in, in their direction, so to speak?
3: It has, definitely, Guy. I mean, I, I think it's been a mixed bag um, people have been spending a lot more time at home and in their gardens so expenditure has certainly gone up um, but obviously there were difficulties with covid there was some periods of closure and there was obviously long periods where the restaurants and cafes in garden centers were closed um, and actually that's a huge source of their
0: income I wonder though whether this is a sector uh, which is which is sort of a big online sector you know what one sort of slightly imagines that that it's not that 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 it, you know that people actually when they can want to go and look at the stuff they're buying
3: yeah I think that's very true it's still all about the experience and going out to the sites and touching and seeing what you want to buy um, but of course over the last year there's been huge growth in in online and um, for this sector and so a lot of groups have had to improve their online presence to keep up with that?
2: Yes, there's been substantial growth uh, over the last uh, 12 to 18 months on uh, in online sales. We've seen a 35 to 37% increase across the sector um, in the online share. And a number of our clients um, uh, have seen direct sales grow um, through their own online platforms. But also we're seeing the development of, of uh, specialist operators such as Sproutle, who've just developed an online platform and they are looking at um, creating a network of suppliers so that people can look at their, their website and then um, source their products from a number of suppliers which are represented on that website. And I think we're going to see that trend to further growth in online which, which draws across the whole garden centre sector beyond the individual platforms that the likes of Blue Diamond or the other operators have.
0: I suppose the other thing that that might have affected the, the sector before we get into how it's changing uh, is uh, is Brexit. You know, you talked about the supply chains a little bit there, Ian. Amanda, is is that has that been an issue for this sector?
3: I believe it was, um, particularly at the beginning of last year. It was sort of a, a double hit with Brexit and COVID, really impacting on supply chains for. Um, for live goods and plants in particular. Um, but uh, most most operators are suggesting that they've got past that now and it's getting much better.
2: I think the bigger issue, Guy, is the, um, the supply chain problems that garden centre operators are having from uh, imports around the world. Uh, the container shipping crisis in particular, where we've seen some container prices grow from $1,700 per container pre-COVID um, to as much as $17,000, so it's a massive increase, and coupled with that, you've got significant delay in deliveries, and we've, we've, I've seen a client recently have to uh, refund a significant number of um, purchases because they've not been able to get the product that the suppliers um, had promised them.
0: You can see, you know, it being healthy in terms of people being more interested, perhaps in gardening and the like, uh, now than they were. But it's not an industry without its problems. How's that then impacting the whole sector? You know, which which direction are garden centres going? Are they getting bigger or are they getting smaller?
2: Well, I think I, I think as I said, we're seeing consolidation among um, the bigger operators, and um, some of the uh, bigger operators are getting much more diverse and broader offerings but what is particularly interesting we're also seeing um, niche retail uh, opportunities develop and I think Isla's been involved.
1: That's right yeah so we're definitely seeing um, more, more of the big chains looking at urban um, high street centres where they can open small stores and a more, more niche product lines.
0: And Ila what, what are they selling in in those stores?
1: um it's 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 mainly plants but also small pickup items which um 'cause it's not car bound customers it's it's foot bound customers who live in those areas so it's it's really products for the urban gardener if you have a flat with a window box and you want a few plants for that or some plants for it, some indoor plants um also gifts and seasonal seasonal um seasonal lines as well in terms of Christmas decorations and you know that kind of thing.
3: And I guess it links to the wider point that a, a lot of operators are looking at this huge range of goods beyond just plants and pure gardening now. It's really a site where you can get almost everything and it comes back to the experience point that they're trying to increase the dwell time on site and and have a range of offerings.
0: It's fascinating isn't it because you know I, I, I know of a garden centre which, which used to be what you would call a garden centre, but now it's got huge amounts of car parking. I mean, this is in a rural location, but huge amounts of car parking. It's got a butcher, it's got a, all sorts of... It sells almost everything. It's, it's, you know, it, 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 it's the most extraordinary place. Is, is that quite common these days?
3: It is, yeah. Um, I think there's a huge interest in food offerings and having the buy-local connection and perhaps having local suppliers come in there. Um, and there's obviously focuses from the, the wider leisure industry, so on things like um, exercise and well-being. There's links up with um, fitness space and things like that because, as you say, these sites are very large and have the space to do that. Um, links up with children's play centres and nurseries as well. Um, so a huge range.
1: And I think, Amanda, on the flip side of that, we'll see more of the garden centres opening concessions in high streets... Um, in some of the bigger high street chains as well and see more garden product lines um, going into some other larger retailers. Yeah, I think that would be really interesting if if they do do that, island, wouldn't it? It's
3: bringing a new market for them, isn't it? And, and probably yeah. a younger clientele as well, perhaps.
2: Well, that's interesting. As you look at some of the stats, um, the, the, the dramatic growth in spend per head um, when you go from uh the 16 to 25 year, year old uh group it's about 46 pounds per head and then 25 to 35 and then consistently right up to 65 you're getting uh, roughly 85 pounds per head um spend so i think that that's linked to um to home ownership as much as anything else people get their in place and they want to uh, uh, to go and shop for, for not only garden things but other other consumables. And coming back to Guy's point about the diversity of products that you're seeing in garden centres, a lot of them are selling a lot of home furnishings as well, apart from the traditional garden centre plants and garden equipment. Um, you're increasingly seeing gifts and garden, uh, sorry, and homeware um, and just straightforward garden furniture. And indeed, clothing lines and clothing concessions in some of these uh, these bigger sites.
0: I'm wondering what all this means for the sort of space requirements that that, that these people have. I, I I mean, I think it's more obvious. In the big ones and the rural ones, we've talked about you know having lots of space and lots of car parking and things like that. But Isla, in the in the in, in this sort of growing high street market, do they have particular space requirements that are different to a I don't know a a, a gift shop owner?
1: Well, I think it's um, it's small units in high street locations. But one thing that's vital um, for the obviously for the growing plants is is natural light. So there's definitely challenges with some locations, such as a shopping centre, for example, where um, that that would be a challenge, and they would need to look at LED lighting and um, that that kind of technology, which is obviously very expensive. So I think in, the, in its that this side of the market is in its infancy at the moment. It's still high street and orientated where there is natural light available
2: on the bigger sites. Um, they're often, as you say, Guy, rurally located. And there have always been planning challenges for sites in rural locations. Um, but I think because of the growth in employment opportunities um, and the leisure-orientated nature of some of these sites, this destination leisure facilities almost, um, perhaps planning has become slightly uh, easier than it uh, would have been if it was a straightforward uh, retail uh, park selling retail products. Um planning authorities still try to restrict uh, the scale of these sites and the sometimes the products that are grown, but we've come a very long way from the original garden centre uh, planning permission, which perhaps required a very high percentage, 70%, to be grown on the site or nearby. Um, and the diversification of the sector uh, has therefore driven this this in square footage and some of the bigger sites amanda what you i mean you've seen quite a lot recently um, what's the square footage is the biggest one you've seen
3: i mean they can be up to sort of 70 or eighty thousand square foot
2: hmm.
3: um you know and there's really excellent space for for car parking and outdoor space as well you know for concessions and and to have some outdoor retail as well um and linking up with things like camping and things that need a lot more space. so there's some really large good sites out there, um, mainly obviously as we we mentioned owned by the the larger groups in the industry. Mm-hmm.
0: So it's interesting that it's such a dynamic area. There's, there's so much going on. Does, does that bode well, do you think, for it, for it in terms of, you know, as an investment opportunity for people and 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 for the for the for, for your sector, you know, in, in the property world, should should sellers are, you know, be be looking at the, uh, potential buyers in this sector more more closely, perhaps?
2: Well, I think the market has has changed, um, and it, it, it has become more polarised. We are seeing. The the bigger operators being extremely dominant in the market, um, and what we're seeing is good independent um, operators selling to the bigger groups generally, and it's almost a two tier market where you've got at the top end you've got a product which is of sufficient scale and diversity, and in particular has uh, a planning permission which allows. Uh, a broad range of products and opportunities to be offered at at a site and then beneath that you've got a a, a second tier market of perfectly good diverse garden centres which are focusing perhaps more on traditional garden retailing so uh, plants and garden furniture as distinct from homewares and clothing and gifts. (music)
0: All that uh, brings us to the Savile standout statistic, which is an essential component of uh, Real Estate Insights, a little nugget of information that perhaps sort of sheds an extra bit of light on the subject we're talking about. Have you all got a Savile standout stat ready for us?
2: Well, I can start off with with mine, I suppose, um, which is linked to what I was saying earlier about the growth from 16 to 24-year-olds that spend roughly half what... The remainder of the population uh, seem to spend on gardening, but uh, the over 65s collectively spend over a billion annually at garden centres, and that uh, equates to a spend per head of over 85 pounds. But it's interesting that relates to the demographic of the country as well, because spend per head is still quite um, substantial uh, for everybody over 25. It seems.
0: Isla, what about you? What's your your first ever Savile Standout stat?
1: Well my first stat is that the garden, uh, gardening expenditure um, still grew by 0.5% in 2020 and that's despite um, the global pandemic.
0: Yeah, So that's a lot of spending when they were open right you know bearing in mind they were shut for a, a chunk of time. Uh, and Amanda let's, uh, let's finish with you what's your what's your stat for us today?
3: So my um, stat was that the the Horticultural Trade Association estimates there's around 2,300 garden centres in the UK, um, which demonstrates how big a
0: sector it is. I think I've visited about half of them in my time. Uh, thank you all very much for that. Thank you for your time and thank you for your wisdom. Um, if you want to hear, delve deeper into this topic, then there's plenty more on the research section of the Savills website, savills.co.uk slash research. You'll find the aspects of Leisure magazine there and all the latest garden centre research. Uh, In the meantime, though, that's it for this episode. Thank you very much for listening and see you next time.
3: This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. Savills accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect or consequential loss arising from the use of, reference to or reliance on this podcast or its content. Savills makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast. This podcast and all copyright in this podcast is the property of Savills and it shall not be used, reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without Savills' prior written consent.